In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Please be seated. I suspect that if I were to ask most of you if you believed that Jesus was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you would say, yeah, sure. I mean, I know that on Friday nights and Saturdays in Oklahoma in the fall, football becomes king, but that's the exception, not the rule. But most of us would not have any argument with saying that Jesus is the king. But I wonder if we understand why we say it or what bearing it has on our lives that Jesus is king. Although there's many answers to those questions, I want to specifically look today at how Luke and Colossians, our readings for today, answer those questions. Our passage from Luke is often referred to as the triumphal entry. Each of the Gospels have some version of it, and this version from Luke is what we traditionally read at the Liturgy of the Palms on Palm Sunday, and here again this year at Christ the King. It is at the very end of this reading that we hear the multitude of disciples saying, Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Why do they say that? Why do they refer to Jesus as king? He has no political power. He has no cultural religious power or authority. And in the entirety of the book of Luke up until now, he has never been referred to directly as king. Why do the people say that? Even in John 6, earlier in his ministry, Jesus has intentionally withdrawn and moved away from people that were going to try and make him king by force. So what's going on? Early in Luke's gospel, Mary is told by the angel Gabriel that Jesus will be given the throne of David, but that certainly hasn't happened yet. And even though Luke talks a lot about the kingdom of God, it is only now that Jesus is given the title king. Why? Well, certainly there's an awareness of his mighty works in the ministry that Jesus has accomplished. The text tells us that that is part of what the disciples proclaim. Jesus has gained a reputation through his teaching, his compassionate care for people, his miraculous healing. But that doesn't equate to kingship. Even his ability to know things about people in places that he really shouldn't like being able to tell his disciples where they're going to find a young donkey in the next town is something worth marveling about. That doesn't make him king. But within these verses, and specifically in regards to that young donkey, there are references to Old Testament prophecies about the long-expected king. Matthew's account of the triumphal entry explicitly quotes the prophet Zechariah, who wrote in Zechariah 9.9, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. At no other time in Christ's ministry that I can think of do we see or hear Jesus riding an animal of any kind. He's walked everywhere. The only exception you might want to make is when he's on the donkey, when he's in Mary's womb on the way to be born. That's it. So only now is he riding on any animal, and it's a donkey. 
That's interesting. But that's not exactly the image we have when we think of a king arriving. A war horse, perhaps, or a chariot, or a golden elevator, or a private plane, or some other grandeur, or some other pomp and circumstance. But no, only a meek, yearling, never-before-ridden donkey. Zachariah declares that this full-riding king is the king from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth. He needs no pomp nor grandeur. He can be humble and ride on the back of a donkey because he knows his power and his authority. He, as Zechariah proclaims, is the one who brings peace, who brings justice and salvation to the world. Interestingly, and I learned this this week in my studies, I hadn't seen this before, Luke and Zechariah are actually probably both referring to an even earlier prophecy, all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis 49, Jacob is blessing each of his 12 children, the 12 tribes of Israel. And in regards to Judah, of whom David and now Jesus are descended, he declares that the scepter of rule, that the king, should not depart from Judah, and that the people would gather to him. And then he goes on to say something that in context sounds really strange. Binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. What does that have to do with ruling? But here's Jesus, who John declares in John 15, Jesus is the vine, the choice vine, if you will, who's now bound in this story with a donkey, the colt of an ass. An early, early prophecy about the king. And these people know their scriptures probably better than most of us. They see Jesus riding on a donkey, and it clues in. He's the long-expected king. And so they rightly call him king, proclaim glory to God. They say glory to God and peace to heaven. They recognize that Jesus is the peace bringer, bringing peace between earth and heaven, between God and man. It's that last bit in particular that connects to you and I. You might recall early in Luke's gospel that when the angels announce Jesus' birth to the shepherds, they say, peace to earth. And here at the end, the disciples are declaring peace to heaven. God sent Jesus to give us peace. Jesus, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, establishes that peace and takes that peace back to God from us to him and vice versa. We have peace with God through this, and Paul actually picks up on this. In our reading from Colossians, again at the end of that reading, is where Paul deals with this. He says in that last verse that Jesus had made peace through his blood and has reconciled all things unto himself and thus unto God. We are reconciled, we have peace with God because of the ministry of Christ. But that's not all that Christ accomplishes. Our citizenship has been moved. Paul says this earlier in, that le- in the reading from our epistle. that We are no longer lost. We're no longer confined to the power of darkness. But rather we have been translated to the kingdom of heaven. He is now our king. That, that word translated or moved is the same word used elsewhere that if you had faith you could move mountains. 
that impossible thing of saying to a mountain, be picked up from here and go there, that same impossible kind of moving is what God has done for us. He has moved us from darkness into light. Our citizenship has been changed. We were in darkness, now we are in light. We were imprisoned, now we are subjects of the king in his kingdom. We do not deserve this. You didn't earn it. Nor are we qualified for it on our own accord. But Paul says God made us meet. He made us qualified for this honor. The king did not make some kind of special political appointment to someone who actually lacks the knowledge and ability to fulfill the position. Rather, he has become king. He's put us in that position and he's qualified us to be there and to do it. He has given us everything we need. And if we continue to go backwards in Paul's epistle, we'll see that this is why he prays that we would walk in a manner worthy of this calling. That we would walk as servants of the king who have been given his domain, who have been invited into the kingdom. Excelling in doing good. Paul prays that we would be filled with a wise understanding of God's will to be able to live out this life. Elsewhere in his writings, in Ephesians in particular, Paul contrasts being filled with the Spirit to being drunk with wine. We all know people who've had a little too much wine, and that wine starts to control their thoughts and behaviors. So what Paul says is that we should be so filled with God, then so filled with the knowledge of him, that that begins to control us, to enable us to live this kind of life, that we can't live on our own. So how are we being filled to serve our King? How are we letting God and his scriptures so fill us and be a part of us that God is able to actually work in and through us to live out this righteous Christian life. Certainly we should be here at church. We should partake of the Eucharist. We should also have a regular practice of hearing or reading God's word, of being in conversation and community with other Christians, of doing good works, as Paul encourages us to do, as God has called us to. And that in such, as we do this as we allow ourselves to be filled, as we allow ourselves to be in God's presence and for him to speak to us, we are enabled to walk in a way worthy of that kingdom calling that we have. So may God give us each that ability to serve our King. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.